Well, we've made it to episode 200. You Patreon supporters know well that we have a few episodes already recorded now, but this is episode 200. We made it. Feels a lot like a 200 miler in the sense that you can't really rush this. You can't do all 200 podcast episodes at once. And you kind of go about it the same way. I mean, you just do one mile at a time and live within that that one mile. I'm very thankful for you guys checking out this podcast. I know there's thousands of running podcasts. There's now millions of podcasts overall. Uh, and so you have so many choices. And I just really appreciate you checking out these conversations. I, I'm trying my best to together inspirational motivational content that you know it's entertaining but then we have these nuggets of running wisdom that pop up at the most important moments in your race when you're wondering what to do because a lot of running is problem solving and this is all designed to help you enjoy your races enjoy your training and I couldn't be more thankful to have Dean Carnassus on. I highly recommend Dean's new book, A Runner's High. It's been available for a few months now, and it's getting really good reviews. But here is episode 200. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So, you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50-miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 200 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have Dean Carnassus on today, the ultra marathon man. We are talking all things 200 miles and beyond. I wanted to have Dean on and like really just focus in on 200 plus mile efforts that he's done. I'm joined here by the ultra marathon man, Dean Carnassus. The very first time, I think it was like episode four, I had Dean on the podcast and I think we were like maybe five or 10 minutes in and I was like, oh my gosh, like, cause we had called you to surprise someone. I didn't hit record. Can you please fake uh, the excitement level that you guys just had one more time and everyone kind of groaned. So I'll leave it with that. Dean, thank you for joining me on episode 200 of the Train for Ultra podcast. Congratulations. Uh, what, a, what a run you've had. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's, it's always uh, a treat having you on. And a lot of my listeners know it was your book, Ultra Marathon Man, that started this whole mess. So <laughs> I blame you, Dean. I blame you. And uh, I'm excited to talk about different topics than like your standard uh, interviewee 
uh, type questions that you get hit with all the time, I'm sure. But I want to talk about, let's start with the genesis, since this is episode 200, genesis of the 200. Because I've heard all sorts of stories, but um, I figure you've been doing this a while and you might have some insights on that. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in 1994, I ran the Western States 100-mile endurance run. So that was my first 100-miler. And then in 19, the next year, I went and did Badwater, which, you know, is 135 miles. And I thought, man, I want to go beyond that. But there really weren't any race, like organized races that really went beyond that distance. But there were these uh, relay races, these 12-person relay races uh, were starting to happen. And there was one where I live in the Bay Area called the Golden Gate Relay that went from uh, up in the wine country like the Napa Valley uh, down to a place called Santa Cruz. So it was uh, 199 miles. And I, uh, I signed up as a, as a team of one. <laughs> and I just wrote my name in uh, 12 times. I love it another time. So I mean, was- had anyone even... Have you Had you read about that anywhere? Or is that just like the discovery of ultra running that you went on and you kind of just made that connection in your head and went for it. Yeah. That, that was kind of how, you know, the latter is kind of how to play it out. I, um, you know, I, I knew I could, could just go run 200 miles on my own, but I kind of wanted that, you know, that race environment. So that was the only, you know, long race I could find that was around 200 miles and <laughs> it just seemed logical. So, uh, I, I signed. I somehow I finished that that first year and um, and kept going back and uh, and then I did it as a team of two and it was tougher as a team of two because you know I didn't like we were like changing every leg. There's 36 legs in 200 miles and that was the toughest thing. Is kind of you know running really hard and then semi relaxing and then having to hop back out and start running again. Yeah. So I just went back to the one person format. And, um, but nowadays, as, as you know, as you've, as you've demonstrated to the world, um, you know, the 200 miler is, is much more commonplace and beyond even. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think it's more accepted as people like truly going out and testing the limits as opposed to like that 12 person relay team is one person or whatever the, um, situation was for you. I, I think you kind of broke the mold and it slowly just gained traction over time. But I, I do think your book was the first moment when people really, you got most of uh, the mainstream through the shock value, that, that initial shock of a hundred miles. And then I think as people started to follow your story more and more, you know, you, you, you know, broke them in for all of us uh, newbies. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's funny because you know you and I talk about running two hundred milers as though <laughs> it's common knowledge. But um, honestly, you know, mo- most people don't even know that um, humans run a hundred miles. I mean, that's still like the one of the most common responses I get. You know, when I'm at a cocktail party or something, just you know. Yeah with my, my kids, uh, um, school friend, you know, their parents and they hear about running a hundred miles and they, they just can't, you know, they, they think the marathon is kind of the longest thing there is. And most people don't even know how long a marathon is. Yeah. And so, uh, it's still, it's not, you know, it's not really that commonplace except for, uh, within our community, you know, the ultra running community. 
And you know the funny thing is that Ultra Marathon Man, the, that book is being made into a into a movie. So I think that uh, that's going to even bring um, more, I think, um, attention to the fact that humans can run a hundred miles nonstop and even beyond. It it's well deserved, Dean, and congrats on that. Um, I, I'll never forget. I was in uh, let's see, I was in Utah during a ski trip. They coincided with Sundance, and I found myself going up a, a ski lift, pitching to some completely random person who was like a film director, I got this movie idea for you. I just read this book <laughs> called Ultra Marathon Man, and the story is so, you know, it's an awesome book. It has to be a movie, and I think that guy thought I was a nut. And um, <laughs> With that, I wanted to thank my show sponsors, Tannery Outdoors. They make just really high quality skincare products. They're all natural, mineral based, and can't speak more highly of how they support the community. And that's a consistency with all my sponsors. So the John Wayne Cancer Foundation as well, definitely check out their races. They are putting on some really cool events, a lot of shorter distances, but they're developing this, this really unique community. And they're big-time supporters of the community and the podcast. And last but not least, Exoskin. They've been a supporter since day one. I can remember when Croy asked me if I wanted to try some toe socks for my first uh, run at Moab 240. And I honestly, I might still have that pair of socks and still have them in the rotation. They make very high-quality products i can't speak more highly of them as well like yeah i'm not gonna push things on you that i don't use myself personally so just really appreciate them and i really appreciate you patreon supporters you don't know how much you make this all work we'll have some really exciting upcoming events can't wait to share those too to make the leap from bad water and when you were doing bad water you did it i'm trying to remember like 10 times yeah i've done that i told my family after 10 i was going to stop so <laughs> i i did bad water 10 times i first did it in 1995 how did you make the leap from doing 135 to then wanting to go to that 200 mile distance well you know the the thing with uh, the, the, you know, the bad water, as you know, is, it's just, it, it's not just the, the distance, right? It's, it's the elements and those elements are, you know, ferocious, uh, that heat in the middle of summer running across death Valley. Uh, you know, that, that I thought was about the equivalent of running 200 miles, if not 250 miles, just because the way your body was having to, you know, compensate for, um, you know, the, dehydration, everything that comes with running when it's, you know, 125 degrees out. So I thought maybe the, you know, the Bay Area where this relay was being held was the temperatures were much cooler. And I thought that's going to help a lot. And and it did. You know, the other thing is that it was the, the 200 miler, the relays is all on the road. And uh, thankfully, I, you know, I, the road is, I do fine on the road. So I didn't have a problem with that. But it wasn't, it wasn't by no means flat. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a problem because there's a lot of climbing. It's, you know, it's in the Bay Area and there's just a lot of hills around here. Uh, but I, I also found that, you know, the climbing and descending, I think, was, was helpful because it wasn't just that repetitive 
micro trauma of a flat surface. So it ended up working out pretty well. Uh, you know, the, for me, um, going through two nights without sleep was, was tricky. That was the first time I ever kind of went through two nights. And, uh, and, that, and that took some doing. But, you know, the other thing is uh, I started uh, the day before the relay teams. So, you know, the teams were obviously going to go much faster than I did. And eventually some of the faster teams would catch up to me. And, and you know, being in that environment where there were other people and other runners, it, it kind of brings you back to life versus if I had just, you know, gone out and run 200 miles on my own. And so was this when you ran 350 miles? It was part of that. Yeah, it was okay. exactly on that same course. So that was the first time running beyond 200 miles for you? No, I ran 200 miles. Okay. And then I thought, um, I wonder if I could go further than that. And I thought, what's a, what, you know, what's a milestone to shoot for? And I thought, see if you can run 10 marathons back to back, which is, um, 262 miles. And I made it 262 miles and I thought, you know, can I go further than that? And I thought I was going to go 500 miles. I'm like, all right, I'm going to run 500 miles. <laughs> But, um, you know, after, after that 350 miler, um, I, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe a human is capable of running 500 miles, but uh, I'm just not that human. I, I was pretty tapped out at the end of that one. Most people can't stay awake for 80 hours. So, um, and I think it was 80 hours, right. Or something ridiculous. It was yeah, uh, close, closer to 81. It was 80 hours and 44 minutes. Most people can't do that not doing any physical activity, you know, with a pot of coffee every every so often. Like, uh, just to stay awake that long is amazing feat in itself, honestly. Well, I think, you know, I think you'll agree with this. I think it's easier when you're moving to stay awake. Uh, to me, the, you know, I, I get most drowsy when I stop. So I, you know, I, um, I think that your metabolism, everything gets kicked into high gear when you're moving. And I find it a lot easier, um, to stay awake, uh, as I'm moving forward. And, and beyond, honestly, as I've gotten older, it seems to be easier to get through, you know, two or three nights without sleep. How do you think, uh, lack of sleep affects your like pain tolerance? Because if I have a bad night of sleep, a lot of times I find myself not like sensing that same pain level. I mean, would you agree with that generally or? <laughs> My relationship with pain has changed over the years. And I, I mean, I don't, I just, I don't experience pain anymore. It's, it's really bizarre. But even when I go to the dentist, uh, he can drill on my teeth without Novocaine and I don't even, it doesn't bother me. So, um, you know, whether, sleep deprivation changes my perception of pain or not. I, I really can't answer that one. It's interesting to hear you say that though, because I've never thought the two were that related, but perhaps they are. I, I'm just personally convinced if my brain's not fully functioning, uh, those pain receptors are just like non-existent or, or very limited relative to like when I'm heightly aware of what's going on. Um, so yeah, your, your body's probably going into some sort of survival mode where it's turning off the pain, <laughs> you know, as, as, as a, as a survival mechanism, which maybe is not such a good thing. Yeah. No, I, I remember, um, last time we talked very distinctly, you kind of talked some sense into me, 
here and there. I'm trying to recall like exactly what it was, but you you talked about um you know, being able to see yourself running from above and that that probably is like uh similar to what you experienced before you die. <laughs> um and <laughs> I that'll stick with me. But I how how in your head has the 200 mile distance changed? We'll we'll just talk a little bit more about that for episode 200 here. I mean, do you think it's still an oddity? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, of course it's, <laughs> it's still an oddity. I think if we were, you know, if we were to put this interview on on mainstream radio, yeah, a lot of people would think, you know, even running uh, 50 miles is an oddity. So 200 miles is definitely an oddity. Uh, you know, to me, it's given people uh, something to aspire for. People that have run a lot of 100 milers or people just want to see, you know, what's it like to go through a couple nights without sleep or even, you know, just with like cat naps. But it, it's it's a more, to me, the, the 200 mile, you know, you approach it differently than the 100 miler. Um, at least I do. I mean, I, I approach it more that, you know, you're going to do a lot of fast hiking. You're probably going to use poles. It's just going to be a, it's it's going to be more of a, you know, a, a, a mindset of, um, you know, endurance versus speed. So when I run 200 miles, I mean, when I started running those 200 mile relay races, I, I was going for speed because, um, you know, after doing it 10 times, I thought something's got to change. So, you know, I got down into like the um, 45 hour range, which to me was, you know, was pretty decent given the, you know, the amount of elevation change. But, um, you know, the, the hours second night for 200. Yeah, 45 hours for 200. Wow. Sorry, I had to double check there. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean, I ran, geez, yeah, yeah, 45 hours. Was the last time I did it. I did the um. There's one called the Hood to Coast, as well, and I did that one. And um, you know, I, I just got better and better at uh, you know, keep you know, doing all those things that that minimize downtime, and like not even changing my shoes. I mean, the last couple times I ran the 200 miler, I didn't even change my shoes once. So that that's very helpful. You know, the more you have to stop, the you know, the the slower you're, it slows you down inherently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you think you'll ever do another 200 or are you like just looking for other things? Like what, what's, what's interesting to Dean Carnassus like right now, like what's getting you out of your bed? Is it like running across countries? Like, you know, we could probably have a whole episode on like what, what is getting you out of bed and excited to go train? Yeah. I mean, I, I did at the end of this year, I did some travel internationally and that was amazing, you know, coming back after, after COVID. Uh, so I went to Australia and I ran uh, 10 marathons in 10 days, uh, which was good. And then I went to Greece and did the same thing, ran 10 marathons in 10 days. Wow. And, you know, I mean, people say, well, you ran 50 marathons in 50 days. So that, you know, certainly 10 marathons in 10 days is not going to be that hard for you. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, that's, it's, it's still quite demanding and, uh, you know, to do it in, on two continents, um, back to back like that was certainly had its challenges, but, uh, you know, the, the thing I liked about those endeavors is, you know, you cover quite a distance and you really get to see a lot of things along the way. So it's, you know, it, it was 
different terrain, you know, um, different culture, different language and all of that. And that really got me out of bed is finally traveling again. But now with, you know, the, the new variant that's out, Omicron, uh, who knows what gets me out of bed now. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. bummer, right? I mean, I've been trying to go run UTMB forever and I'm, I'm now looking out to 2022. I have the free, like a, a free entry if I want it. And it's just like so uncertain that I don't want to set myself up for failure, like having it be a last second effort and just like kind of killing my, uh, I don't know, like self-esteem if I'm totally DNFing my dream race and not getting in again and time away from family and all that, you know, it's, it's hard because you really have to be all in for some of these harder efforts for us normal folks, not, not guys like you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, let's be honest. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not ending up on the podium uh, these days. I'm, you know, I'm at my age, uh, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I win my age group, but I mean, the only people who care about who's winning your age group are people in your age group. (laughs) So I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's a bit easier for me to race these days since, you know, I, my goal is just to get to the finish line. And, you know, I'm pretty proficient at doing that. So that in some ways that, you know, it's taken a lot of pressure off of me. So for my next 200 episodes, what, what do you want to hear from me? Who, who has the interesting stories? Um, what, what kind of kind of like film projects, what do you want to see from my next kind of 200 episodes? You know, I'd, I'd love to hear you. Uh, you're taking some international guests, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talk about um, the different cultures of running and the similarities and the differences uh, in different regions. So that that's always been something of interest to me. You know, the other thing is, uh, you know, maybe looking backwards and looking at some of the history and lore of ultra ultra marathoning and some of the crazy things that have that have taken place that a lot of people don't even know about. I mean, starting even with, uh, you know, the ancient Greek runner Pheidippides back in 490 BCE, who was actually uh, an ultra marathoner. You know, he ran uh, almost 300 miles before running the the final marathon that, you know, he's so famous for. So that's that's interesting to me. You know, um, you know, the the six day runs uh, earlier in this century, the last century uh, are interesting. And even some of the cross country runs. You know the Bunyan Derby. Um, you mm-hmm. know in the in the twenties, uh, that kind of thing is, is yeah. yeah it, it really is fascinating, and you don't hear a lot about that. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I might have um, anytime you meet someone interesting, Dean, we'll throw you in an episode at some point. If you want to be on the grounds reporting, feel free. Uh, you're absolutely welcome to. And um, I loved your book that went over. Uh, some of that history that you just mentioned, it's just kind of mind blowing. Um, and I, I think it's a good segue into some more about your books. And again, I can't wait to, to see ultra marathon in film form. I've dreamed about that for probably 15 years now. Uh, tell me more about like, you know, is, is there parallels to your ability to, to write a bunch of books that are all really great visual reads and you're opening the door 
of all this ultra running to the general public, which I love, peeling back the curtain. But is there a parallel to you getting out and running every day? Do you write every day? Like, I want to hear more about how to write like Dean Carnassus. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, I, you know, I've never thought of myself. I, I write, but I've never thought of myself as a writer. But this this last book that that just came out is called The Runner's High, and it got a lot of critical acclaim from like the the bookish reviewers, like Kirkus Review, cool. you know, um, Publishers Weekly, and they really praised the writing itself. So that that made me really happy actually and proud because I, you know, writing to me does not come easy. It's, you know, it's 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. So I run with a digital recorder. Well, now I use my, my phone, but I used to run with the digital recorder uh, before there were, there were um, smartphones. And I dictate a lot while I'm running because as you know, when we're out running, especially if we're, we're not listening to music or anything, we have some of our clearest thoughts. So I'd dictate uh, while I was running and then, uh, you know, just put it in an earbud and type up the notes. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, you're, you know, your, your, your voice comes out so well in your books. And that's because I think a lot of the, the writing is done on the run. Uh, so that, that's one thing I do. Uh, you know, the other thing um, I do is uh, I try to paint a picture with words as, you know, thankfully, you know, you kind of said I did that, which again, made me really happy to hear you say that, but try to set a scene. I mean, my books are all about stories. They're, they're essentially, you know, extended race reports in a way, but a little more diverse. So, you know, paint a, paint a picture with words, put, put the reader, you know, in, in our shoes, running an ultra. And give them a glimpse of your reality, because you know if I was to look into your head when you were running, you know, an ultra, a two hundred miler, the thoughts and feelings that might be going through your head might be completely different to someone else. And so I just try to give someone a, a glimpse of my reality. Yeah, it's one runner, but it's it's kind of interesting to see how other people think, and you know their their take on on certain situations. So I write all that uh, pretty vividly. Uh, you know, and to me, the, the greatest reward I, I've gotten from writing these books is, is, you know, having people say, wow, you, you know, you really, you got me going. Like you said, I mean, even, even last night, I got a, an email from a guy who said I was going to read a couple chapters of your new book before going to bed. And six hours later, <laughs> I finished the book. And then he said, and, and then I got up and, and went for a run. I just had to go running. So getting messages like that is really, to me, the, the greatest uh, reward I've gotten from, from writing these books. I've experienced that myself, Dean. My wife was not happy. I was like reading Ultra Marathon Man. I still remember. She thought I was losing it. Like <laughs> <laughs> You've lost it. She's right. <laughs> yeah, you have lost it. Yeah. Um, you ever think about doing a TV show? You ever think like um, your, I mean, your your storytelling abilities could be put to good use on a like a multi episode, like go team up with um, I don't know. I think you're connected with Nat Geo or someone. You know, do like a six part series, like you just running the globe meeting people it's so funny you said that because <laughs> that was going to happen 
And that was, uh, it was supposed to happen in 2020. And then perhaps in 2021, but it was a 12 episode uh, series about, it was essentially, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Parts Unknown with um, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. But it was similar to that. It was uh, 12 marathons in, in 12 countries. Cool. And, you know, kind of talking to the people, kind of, you know, relating to the world, you know, at, at six miles an hour, as, as we do when we run, you know, transcontinental. Uh, so that, that was in the works, but, um, COVID put a hold on that show, but hopefully it'll come back. Yeah. I mean, start with California, you know, start, start more local, like for episode one and get the pilot up and running. And I, I mean, I'd love to watch that. I I find that hugely inspirational because I think people need content right now. If, if let's say we go into another like situation, like we did while back where we're all kind of stuck at home or on treadmills world the world's being inspired in different ways and i mean don't get me wrong i love your books so i mean are you writing every single day is it because that's that's how i just personally tackled it was like every morning like an hour or two before work every single day until like the thing was done are you writing every day or is it just when you're inspired? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's good. You had that discipline to do it and put out, um, you know, good quality content. And I know a lot of writers that, that say that's what they do, that they, the first thing out of bed is they write 500 words, 500 good words, and then they can get on with their day. Uh, to, you know, I just, I am so, uh, allergic to routine <laughs> I, can't, I, I, I literally cannot do the, the same thing two days in a row so I kind of write by um, by impulse you know when I'm feeling like writing I write and I, I'm pretty good at like tuning everything else out and just focusing on the writing but uh, to me to try to write every every morning like you did I, I don't know yeah I have a great respect for that I, I just don't have the discipline to do that I just didn't have the time it was like literally I got I got this hour and a half, then I gotta rush around, shave really quick, run to work, like <laughs> like actually drive, not not run. But um <laughs> I mean so I, I'm just trying to think next I'm next two hundred episodes, like I think yeah, the global perspective's a really great idea. If you think anything else, please feel free. Um how many, this is a question, I think one of the Patreon supporters from a while back was mentioning it, but how many miles a day do you actually run? Is there any kind of like routine on that front or is it just you go out until you are like satisfied and like, do you, do you have a very regimented um, mileage? You know, I usually, I don't, I mean, I certainly like to get a, uh, a base, you know, a fairly decent base when, when race season eventually comes around, yeah. whenever that might be Rob, but, you know, I like to, you know, now my base, uh, you know, going into a, you know, like a, a big effort is probably between 70 and maybe 110 miles a week. Okay. You know, yeah. some, you know, some, some years in the past I was running upwards of 200 miles a week, which I think was overdoing it. But one thing I've been doing more of 
is uh, shorter, like temp, really intense tempo runs at like almost race effort. So running 30, like 35 to 40 minutes, almost at max mm-hmm. and just nose breathing. So not breathing through my mouth and getting my heart, like the, the run I did yesterday, my heart rate got up to 210. And my average heart rate for 35 minutes was was 184. That's which impressive. Is, you can get it up that high, like someone of your endurance. <laughs> Here, what's your resting heart rate, Dean? Uh, it's in the in the high 30s, like 30, <laughs> 38, 39. It's pretty slow. And, <laughs> they need to have that yeah. in that TV show, like <laughs> you going for a checkup and. Like the machines all freaking out because they think you're. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad has a low resting heart rate, and so does my mom. I mean, I think some of it's hereditary. Yeah, uh, I'm not, you know I'm 100 percent Greek, and my dad insists like we're from the same village in the mountains as you know the original marathon of Pheidippides. And I always tell him, Dad, I, you know, we grew up in L.A. Like, <laughs> what what village in the mountain of Greece are we in? Are we from? But yeah, I think some of it's hereditary. I think um, it's also it's gotten lower since I, I've been doing these really intense, you know, almost like a hit training with the the nose breathing. So that's uh, I think I think the the higher I've gotten my heart rate, um, my you know exercising heart rate, the lower my resting heart rates become. That's really interesting. So is there one or two other? Because I I'm appreciative of your time here, and. Uh, we had a, a technical hiccup there at the beginning. Um, but I'm just thinking, is there one or two other like unknowns with 200 milers? Like, cause you have such deep wisdom on, on ultra running. Is there one or two like 200 mile specific like facts or, or stories that you have that you could share? I don't know a lot of other people that are running, you know, 200 milers like the, I don't know how many people, I know a couple people have tried to do the 200 mile relays that I've been doing. So I know some people have been chasing after that. I haven't heard any like, uh, great stories from that. I mean, certainly, you know, the, the story that, that you, um, uh, alluded to, uh, I, I think it'll be hard to top is, you know, the, the first time I did the 200 milers ordering, a a pizza delivered to me roadside. Cause I, I learned an important lesson. Like some of these, you know, some of these routes they follow are out in backcountry roads and there's not a lot of food out there. So if you don't have a crew, which I, I didn't, I ran it without a crew and you run out of food, you know, make sure you have a credit card and a cell phone <laughs> so you can order pizza. If we're, if we're ever running together, I don't be surprised if a pizza delivery person shows up. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just warning you now. Um, it, it could very well happen. And, uh, if you're looking to, to get out there for an event or two, uh, yeah, definitely let me know. Happy to pace crew, help you in any, any way possible. And just really appreciate what you've done for me personally. I've tried to pay it forward as, as best as I can. And, I know you've inspired millions of people and just, you know, I treasure every time we get to chat on the podcast and, and thank you for inspiring 200 episodes. And I, I really hope to uh, be able to 
keep this going and, and plugging out, you know, plugging away, putting an episode out every week. So uh, thank you for taking the time, Dean. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Again, it was an honor to be on the 200 show and um, I, I really admire your discipline. And that was episode 200. Big thank you to Dean for taking so much of his time. Big thank you to Tannery Outdoors, Exoskin, and the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, their Grit series. Shout out to you Patreon supporters. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. See you next week.